All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday, September 9th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. We are sitting live in the same room. This is post... Well, I guess it's post-quarantine. Still got kinda, our masks on. Still kind of... Mi- well, don't have masks on. Still, still, <laughs> still many quarantine. Not to say we don't wear masks, but we still don't have them on right now. Um... <laughs> We this We're is our f- like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's anything wrong with that? But uh, this is our first podcast back in about five months. Um, yeah. We did a Chris Terrell and I did a couple of PGA podcasts in there, but uh, for the for the most part, this is the first time we've really podcasted since really everything got shut down. But no better time to do it because we are on the eve of Week One in the NFL. It still feels a little weird that it's just. I don't know if it's because baseball is around, and or excuse me, baseball's always been around during this time. Basketball's still around, that it feels a little weird. Like, not like we're getting snuck up on, but does it seem, I guess nothing's normal now these days, but does it seem like football is, we're recording this Wednesday morning, is really at this point, you know, 36 hours away? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that there's been no preseason, there's been so little news. Like, normally you're just inundated with this guy and that guy has a slight hamstring, whatever, and the access is so much less that we're just not really getting anything whatsoever. Uh, There's no buzz about this rookie who looks great in preseason or anything like that. So combine that with our attention being very heavily on basketball playoffs and baseball and hockey and all that other stuff, it definitely has been a surreal summer to try to also prepare for and execute on four sports at once. I think today, well, we're going to talk about cash game picks for week one for the main slate. So we're not going to cover the Thursday night single game slate here, but um, or the Monday night games. We're going to focus on the main slate for Sunday cash games. I do think that our priorities, with that in mind with what you said, our priorities are going to be around situations that we can feel very comfortable about. I think I'm off. I'm often the person year to year that gets just enamored with the new situation. You're usually right. steadier about that. I'm, I love the rookies. True. I love the guy who's just moved in, over into the a new team where maybe there's been targets vacated or something like that. Um, or like this, you know, the big free agent splash or the big trade. There are a few situations like that mm-hmm. going on in the NFL now, obviously. Um, I think in general, though, this year, more than any other year, we're going to want to avoid those situations for cash. because And if you're a weak, you know, you want to you know roll big tournaments and you want to do some stacks and kind of take a flyer on some of these guys situations, 100%. But for cash, it just isn't going to make sense to try to be a week early on some of these situations. Because just year after year after year, we're proven, it's proven that you just don't know what right. the relationship with, you know, certain players and, you know, quarterbacks to wide receivers are what the coach's actual plans are with players, um, you know, with free agents and guys that they've kind of taken or maybe they're taking flyers on. So I think this year, more than any other year, we're going to really want to hone in on. I think there's a, God, there's a few exceptions. <laughs> maybe you'll talk me out of them. But uh, I do think that we're going to focus our priorities on the situations. You know, is that like a fair way to just like kind of sum up? We're going to go through position by position here, but like a way to sum up really where our mindset should be heading into cash games. Yeah, that's certainly how I feel. I think under the best circumstances, we've seen wide receivers are the the main position that comes to mind for me. We've seen truly dynamic, you know, deep ball threats, slot receivers, receivers of all stripes walk into new situations and sort of disappear. Um, You know, Odell Beckham comes to mind and the list goes on and on and on. But to, to think that a rookie then would be a favorite to walk into training camp and you know, just go march right out there and become a wide receiver one right off the rip. Like, it's just so 
unlikely, and it can happen, and you can probably get separation on it, although you oftentimes don't get as much separation as you want on the wide receiver rookie that everyone is buzzing about, right? So I don't see any reason to play those guys for week one in any format. I I won't be doing that. Uh, I think you can make a case for, I think the one exception I would say, well, there's two. I think running backs, we've seen that running backs can just you know, walk off a Walmart parking lot and get 100 yards and a touchdown if the system around them is good. So I think if you're looking at a rushing game for a team that was already very solid and a running back walks into that situation, chances are good that he can perform. Uh, and I think there are some cases where a quarterback could do the same if they're walking into an offense with tools, and I'm sure we'll get to that as well. But I'm not definitely not touching any wide receivers that are in new situations starting the season. Yeah, it's funny too because we have – a situation where this is an absolute sort of master class of wide receivers that came out of the draft. Um, and there were, not to say rookie wide receivers can't do anything. You know, Hollywood Brown had a great week one last year. DJ Chark, I believe, it was either Chark or Metcalf. One of those two guys had a big week one last year. So not to say that rookie wide receiver, and look, between like guys like Ruggs, Jared Judy, guys like this, there, there probably will be a game or two that, that are good. These guys are just, these are high profile, very big name rookie wide receivers. That being said, we're not going to really focus on Yeah, I'm just so not more. confident that anyone knows who, which of those wide receivers is going to be great. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, fair enough. Um, okay, let's go. We'll go position by position here. We'll break down uh, where we're kind of looking in cash. I think we're getting pretty close for our lineups. And by the way, when I talk about our lineups, you can go over to dfsr.com slash membership to grab a free trial of our projection system that's going to cover you for all sports right now while it's all going on. Football, uh, you sign up for football, but you also get basketball lineups, baseball, Hockey, I think hockey is moving toward the playoffs or toward the end of the playoffs, um, but it's all covered under one system. So dfsr.com slash membership will get you started there. Let's talk about quarterback. Um, you know, we have Mahomes and Watson on the Thursday slate. So we, we do knock off sort of the top, the beginning of the top tier, but we have other guys here that I think we can consider. Uh, Lamar Jackson, still very expensive, but we started off with Russell Wilson. He's 8.4, 8,400 8, on FanDuel. And he's just a little bit less on DraftKings. Uh, he's 7,000 on DraftKings. He just had an amazing 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. He was incredibly efficient. He was, I think I wrote the number here. Yeah, he was top six in passing yards last year, except he had something like 100 att- fewer attempts than anyone above him. Um, he was 31 to 31 to four pa- pa- touchdown to interception rate. I feel very comfortable just kind of throwing him out there in cash this week. Uh, I don't think we're even throwing him out there. He has a good situation when it comes to weather, playing inside in the dome. Uh, do you think that we're just... Right now, our lineups for DraftKings and FanDuel are just showing 100% Russell Wilson, really with very little maneuvering. Um, does that strike you as a comfortable spot to be in going into week one? So my main concern with playing Wilson going into week one is has nothing to do with Wilson. I think he's excellent for all the reasons that you described. It's just the comparison between him and Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson last season outscored Wilson by seven and a half fantasy points a game, which is just outrageous. And he's just $1,000 more than Wilson on FanDuel. So when you're looking at those two players, when you can get Jackson's production for $1,000 more, and it's seven and a half last year, seven and a half more fantasy points a game, that's a seven and a half points per dollar multiplier on that last thousand. That's pretty incredible. So what is our system seeing that, you know, just going by last year's raw stats doesn't see, uh, for lack of a better term? So, like, in our system, we have Jackson for some 
some regression here in terms of coming back to the mean. Is that, do you feel like confident in that approach? Do you, do you think that's a safe way to look at the situation? Or do you think that the rest of the field is going to be just all over Jackson on last year's totals? Well, I think price matters here a little bit. We do have Jackson projected for more points. Um, we have him projected for about 10% more points than Sure, than which Wilson. is two two more points instead of the 7.5 he scored more last year. So we're looking at Wilson for more than he averaged last year. Admittedly, great you know matchup against Atlanta in the Dome, like you said. Jackson going up against Cleveland. So he, if he doesn't have more points than Wilson projected, then our projection system is broken. Right. We should stop the podcast. But do you think that's more... Do you think that's more enough? I guess, you know, because he scored almost forty percent more uh, fantasy points than he did than Wilson did last year. Yeah, um, I think it's. It, 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 I don't. I'm not worried about it being like a tough fade. I don't think his ownership will be through the roof because of the price. And we're gonna get to McCaffrey here in a second, especially on Fanduel. And I think mm-hmm. when you're thinking about playing them both and discussing, you know, relative to position, who is the safer bet. Um, I think we're going to probably end up leaning on McCaffrey there. It's different on DraftKings where the pricing is tight. That The sites did not really go super soft pricing this this the start of the year that mm-hmm. I can find. I mean, there are some guys that definitely stand out. Um, but in general, I think, the, I think the two things I'd be concerned about with Lamar Jackson is I do not believe, especially based on the playoff performance, that they are going to run as much with him this year. I think that I can, I definitely mm-hmm. believe that there's going to be some dialing, dialing back of the just – running, you know, 11, 12, 13 times a game that he was doing at times during the season last year. He really came out of the gate doing that. And by the way, we were one of the few outfits that just started him in cash everywhere for the first week going into last year. So it's not like we have, you know, we're down on Lamar Jackson at all. Um, I just think that the situation here for Wilson is, in terms of their team totals, uh, right now the Ravens have a team total of 28. Uh, Seattle's right north of 25. Um, we have them basically for the same opportunities as they had last year, so I don't think we're going crazy one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it ends up becoming a price thing, and it's just hard to project someone for seven more points when they're both in like sort of an elite tier together to just go that much higher uh, overall. I, I just don't see it. Maybe there's maybe we, if, if we dial back the touchdowns a little bit, excuse me, dial back the running a little bit, we also dial back some of the rushing touchdowns where she had seven last year. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be, if he's a favorite to kind of go out and just do that again either. So, um, look, he, he was amazing. I just think that there's also probably some reason to believe with Lamar Jackson that in the 401 passing attempts, he's not going to recreate the 36 touchdowns that he threw last year. Um, oh, yeah, I think there's definitely room for regression, and I think it's important to point out that typically the guy who was the very best the previous season doesn't duplicate or improve upon those totals. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely there with you that there's some regression coming. I guess looking at this right now, I'm not ready to just close the door and say it's going to definitely be Wilson over Jackson for me because especially if the priority is picking between, say, Jackson and Christian McCaffrey, I also, you know, looking at McCaffrey's price, he's 10000 so he's 600 more than Jackson, and Jackson outscored him by two and a half fantasy points a game last season, right? So um, I feel like all the arguments against Jackson kind of hold true for McCaffrey, too, where, you know, new quarterback, um, tough to improve upon being by far the best guy, which is what he did last year, tough to improve upon out, you know, yarding everyone by 600 yards and and on and on and on. So I don't know. It's pick like if I had to pick one between them and maybe you do the way the rest of the lineups shake out. I'm just not sure McCaffrey is the guy that I would lean towards, but uh, oh really? But yeah. we'll get we'll get to McCaffrey in, in the running back section. But that's... I, that that yeah, I, we get there. I, I'm surprised to hear that because that's 
this fun fan though. I don't think it's uh, the, the, the DraftKings pricing. It's very very tough on this stuff. Uh, I don't right. think. It's, but um, in just in terms of positional scarcity, I I think that I, I just not confident. I'm in the, in the and the more I look at Lamar Jackson's, like just overall numbers. Like he had four hundred one passing attempts and mm-hmm. led the league in touchdowns. That's two hundred fewer passing attempts than most other guys in this tier, and just. It just uh, I don't believe it's realistic to keep up with yeah. that just with that pat even if he ran the same amount just keeping up with the passing touchdowns on those numbers is basically gonna be what's impossible. a good what's a good number of touchdowns for him in your expectation on, on that number like 26, 27? if you're just looking at like just raw like you know just other quarterbacks almost any other quarterback that lived in this range of passing attempts right. um, that would probably be more like in the twenty seven range and if I'm being really bullish maybe it's thirty so like. And even that seems, and by the way, because like his passes are super efficient because of the way they run the thing. So mm-hmm. it wasn't total luck. Um, you're he's getting very good passing attempts because defenses just simply can't scheme against it. Although I will say, another year of defenses worrying about scheming against him, yeah, true. Um, does has almost always just caught up the quarterbacks too. Right. Like um, okay, let's keep going. So I, there, we have Car- just going down the list here. We wrote up Wilson. We wrote up also Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Wentz, another guy. Not an under the radar guy because he's definitely, um, you know, people. I think people get are, are the jury's out whether he's like a superstar quarterback or not. Right. Uh, it's not that you know Carson Wentz is a, is a pretty known commodity last year. Basically played with um, a high school group of wide receivers last year, especially at the end of the year. They just had they could not keep a single guy healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was throwing to Greg Ward, who played quarterback in college. I, like this was where they were <laughs> where they were at the end of the season last year, playing the double tight ends. It's not so much better to start the season. Alshon Jeffrey is still hurt. I believe Jalen Rieger, who they drafted, is also hurt right now. They do get Deshaun Jackson back. Wentz was still, even with problems around, and the problems is really putting it lightly, because, again, these, this wide receiver group was so bad to end the season last year, still was fifth overall in touchdowns last year, had a really good touchdown interception rate uh, among this top group, threw for a lot of yards, uh, for over over four thousand yards, that ends up being eh, in the top ten. But again, I can't really overstate or understate enough how bad the group he was thrown to. I feel pretty good. And and by the way, talking about guy like known situations, I feel pretty good mm-hmm. about playing Wentz. I, I probably would go. I'm gonna go Wilson over him, but you do get a little bit of a discount if you if you go down to Wentz. Uh, Wilson's eighty four hundred on Fanduel. Wentz is seven point seven. I uh, believe the numbers somewhere around the same range on DraftKings, but. Where do you put Wick? Oh, yes, he's seven thousand less or seven hundred less on DraftKings. Where do you put Wentz in this group? Like, if you're kind of like tiering this Sunday group of quarterbacks when we're just really going for safety, right? So, I think Wentz is a just a cheaper version of Russell Wilson. You're going to get less production, but he's also less expensive. So I think you're still you're doing fine. Like if if you wind up with that much money left over at quarterback, I don't think Wentz is so much worse in terms of safety than Wilson is. Uh, the price is down. Like you said, he got it done throughout the year with a mix-and-match group of wide receivers. And that group is going to be pretty similar to what he's dealing with coming up this Sunday. Uh, it'll be, it looks like Rager's going to miss week one, but he'll have Deshaun Jackson, and they were incredible against this Washington team in week one last year, connecting on eight or nine targets for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Now a year in the NFL can be an eternity. We'll have to see how Jackson looks when he actually straps the pads back on. Um, but then he'll also have our Sega White side and Ward again, and he was pretty good at hooking up with those guys last year. So I think combine them, he's going to have Ertz. I believe Goddard's probable right now. So I think 
up and down, it'll be a, a pretty solid Eagles offense going up against the Washington football team, who has to just be demoralized based on the logo and the name and the lack of mascot. The mascot is themselves. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but uh, I think that Wentz will be a high floor option, arguably not a huge ceiling. Yeah, so they're minus five, uh, excuse me, the Eagles are minus five favorites right now. Not an overwhelming total, 23.75 implied points. Still one of the higher uh, sets on, on, on the Sunday. Not, again, not crazy uh, in terms of just like, you know, you know for instance, the uh, Seahawks have a 25.5 total against the Falcons, which I said, I, I can't really overstate too, like playing in just what are going to be perfect conditions inside the Dome does matter a little bit for some of these guys. Our system is usually going to default to quarterbacks that run, they got to do a little bit of running, at least. Wilson right. Wilson and Wentz, they don't do it to a crazy amount. Like you th- Probably people think that Wilson runs a lot more than he does. He was mm-hmm. only 6th overall in rushing yards last year. Wentz was like 10th. Really outside of the Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen group, there is a pretty big drop-off at that point about sure. quarterbacks who run. But overall, uh, I think that like both these guys strike me for their prices and their matchups uh, as pretty safe. Now, we did talk about... Guys that we don't want to really project for a new uh, projecting for a new situation is always tough. I'm still kind of in the Teddy Bridgewater camp mm-hmm. for cash here. Um, talk me. Do I need to talk you into it, or do you want to just talk me out of it? Because lay out the case to start, and okay. then I'll see if there's any holes. Like okay, so the case for Bridgewater in a situation after we gave a long speech about not wanting to play players in new situations. Mm-hmm. The there's a few exceptions I'm willing to make. One is quarterback in a new situation that has lots of weapons around him um, to start because that is definitely the situation that Bridgewater is walking into this year. He's going to be this, he's the signal caller for the Panthers. He has got Christian McCaffrey, who is the best, basically the best safety device that you have in the, in the whole NFL. Mm-hmm. He has DJ Moore, who's proven to be a very good just target guy. Um, DJ Moore had a lot of targets and pretty decent targets last year from total zeros at playing quarterback for them. Uh, Kyle Allen, which is absolutely terrible. And and then they signed Robbie Anderson, too, to be a deep threat, in addition to having Curtis Samuel also. This strikes... And, and by the way, Teddy Bridgewater has a track record of very efficient passing. He was in a perfect situation in, in, in New Orleans, so yes. I, I don't want to overstate that part of it. Like, you had Michael Thomas and Kamara and guys like that, so it's easy to make your stats look pretty good. Not to say this group is on par with that, but this is he's not just walking into a situation where he's going to have to just handle the whole load. These are real guys that he's got, that he's able to throw to. The I, I I know for us like in terms of industry rankings, we're much higher in Bridgewater than the, than the rest of the group. Um, he's not a lock for cash games for us, but I'm there's like four new situation guys that I'm willing to or new situation slash maybe coming off injury guys that I'm willing to be okay with, and Bridgewater is definitely one of them. So. I don't mind being higher than the rest of the industry on Bridgewater. I think it's a bridge too far. Bridge? <laughs> too far to put him in our cash game lineups because... I forced a laugh on that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were belly laughing, <laughs> kind of quietly laughing. The, the listeners can't see you, but you were like quietly laughing, and then your laugh came out at the end. Also, you just didn't get it because you don't... I totally got it. You don't really get jokes. But, um, but Bridgewater last year, I think you incidentally kind of spelled out my concern with him, which is that... It's really, really hard. Like, if you're trying to be efficient to improve upon Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas being kind of your one-two, and McCaffrey is a class ahead of Kamara. There's no doubt about that. 
Michael Thomas is so far above whatever he's going to walk into here in Carolina that I think it's really, really hard to, you know, it, it would be hard to overstate the impact that Michael Thomas has on opposing defenses. While Moore was a nice story, you know, another guy that we rode last year uh, to some pretty good success. He could be very, very good this season as well. He's just not a wide receiver one in the same way Michael Thomas is. Um, Robbie Anderson, new situation, already very erratic performance. I mean, Robbie Anderson has had a poo-poo platter of quarterbacks himself, so it's really hard to know what he is. You know, there's Curtis Samuel, but Samuel is very hit or miss as well. I'm not ready to give him the, and this is great tools, label that I might give other people. I think McCaffrey is an absolutely great tool. If he can hook up with McCaffrey for, you know, 10 catches or something, I'll right off the bat, I'd feel great about it. I just don't know why I need to be a week early on it. I get that the price is really good, and maybe the price will come up if he's excellent. I don't think the price, so right now on FanDuel, he's 6800 to Wentz is 7700 I think if Bridgewater is better than Wentz, we can still get him for cheaper than Wentz next week. And, yeah, I just don't see a reason to be a week early on it. I really like it for big tournaments, though, because I think there are worlds where that offense just goes off. McCaffrey catches his touchdowns rather than runs them in, and he's and Bridgewater's so cheap that it lets you get a kind of a strange lineup that will give you good separation from the field and some really explosive big ticket guys at other positions. Yeah, that's that's really what he does. I think I think he offers a high floor and the difference in his price is the difference of maybe a question mark around a running back, let's say, right. and a just a sh- almost surefire 20 plus touches guy, right? Because it, 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 here's, and we'll go to the running backs now. Because the problem with running backs is the guys you can absolutely bank on for getting 20 plus touches, um, you know, carries plus targets yeah. at this point is pretty, that list is pretty short. Yeah. And there's a, we'll go through this on game, game by game podcast tomorrow. But there's so many running back situations that one, some people just don't even know who they like. It's like, oh, Malcolm Brown's taking first team snaps. Well, we'll see. You know, kind of things like that. Or, you know, oh, Jonathan Taylor might end up taking over the starting position in week two. Or, you know, these are like the kind of notes you're getting now, which are pure speculation. The. And then, not to mention, just teams that stink. That's just going to be hard to roster yeah. running backs. You're a six and a half point dog. We're not going to play your running. At back that point, back. once we get, once we kind of start cross, even guys like Austin Eckler, who they're just not going to commit to running the ball fifteen times a game. Yeah, but like, he was getting ten targets a game. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, the list of short, the list of guys who are going to be down on the field for almost every down for their team right. in the running back position is really, really short. And yep. when we're talking about cash games, that is the absolute. We absolutely have to prioritize those guys. Because and so Bridgewater offers this this chance that maybe mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it, but I don't think because I think I think I'm pretty stuck on Wilson here. But um, once you start paying up at quarterback, you really start you you get into some more question marks. But let's start with McCaffrey I, on Fanduel. I think that they didn't make the price high enough at this point to really make you worry about it, even at ten thousand, just based on what he did last year on DraftKings. Like I said, it's a little different here on DraftKings because. He's ten thousand, but the ten thousand just in terms of uh, percentage of salary cap means a lot more over there, and the pricing just tight all around. Mm-hmm. So I think we're probably going to end up fading it on DraftKings, but running it on on Fanduel. Um, but I mean, do I need to really spell out the case for McCaffrey here? He was just like he had like full many games worth more touches than than the next highest receiver, the next highest uh, running back last year, and kind of wasn't crazy unless you're just worried that he just like the wheels totally come off because you're really just not supposed to touch the ball this many times. Other than that, I just don't really see a, I can't really make a good case to fade him because he's kind of just like bulletproof in terms of how they use him. Yeah, I think the the two arguments against it, and you know this is me just playing devil's advocate because he's obviously the best running back 
in the league for fantasy purposes are one, he just touched the ball so much last year, and that's a lot of wear and tear on the body just to get tackled 28, 30 times a game. You know, we running backs, especially he's not exactly young at this point, uh, running backs getting older, getting tackled that many times is not great for you. And then the other argument, which I think is kind of kind of strange, is that if the offense is more competent overall, that right. could hurt McCaffrey. Yeah. Because if you think about like the Kyle Allen uh, experience, you know, Cam Newton uh, while injured and all that stuff, like, the Panthers were really scraping trying to figure out any way to move the chains, and McCaffrey represented that. So, you know, towards the end of the season, he's catching catching 15 balls in the air. I, competent offenses tend to not do that, right? right. So uh, now sometimes when you have a singular talent, like, you know, we saw with the Ravens uh, and Lamar Jackson, like, you can make it work, but I think those are the two things. So, you know, if you're – if one is in the, hey, things have to regress to the mean eventually camp, I think that will – happen with McCaffrey eventually but I think as we look down the other options I definitely don't mind prioritizing him because you're not going to find safety at the cheaper running back position in the same way that you could find safety with cheaper quarterbacks right because there's no you know $6,800 equivalent of you know Teddy Bridgewater at the running back position or a $7,700 Carson Wentz type even like the guy as you go down the list Almost every single guy has big question marks here. For sure. The, there's a group at the top here that we're going to talk about a few of them. McCaffrey's at the top. You know, you said where, where things get worse for him uh, with weapons around him. That's prob- that, uh, probably true. And then where maybe things get better for him are in the touchdowns. Because if he had 60 more touches than the next closest guy, which, again, it's like three good usage running back games. Right. <laughs> and, and that was 60 more touches than he had more than Zeke. And he's still ranked third in touchdowns last year mm-hmm. because the offense was brutal outside of him. So I think where you might – maybe we see a little drop-off in the yards and the touches, we might just see an increase in the overall ability to get near the goal line, which mm-hmm. seemed to be a problem for the Panthers uh, last year. All right, other guys that I put in this group, uh, we wrote up McCaffrey first. Uh, like I said, I don't know if you're going to be able to get there on DraftKings, but I do think you're going to be able to get there on a guy like Josh Jacobs. And Jacobs is not a guy that we targeted a ton for DFS last year. He was very run-heavy. Um, we really prioritize backs that can do both things, um, be, you know, run and catch the ball, that you're going to be on the field for, you know, hopefully around three downs, <laughs> you know, as the old saying goes. There is word, and I always take the, the training camp stuff with a grain of salt because almost never are coaches forthright about this stuff. There is talk that they're going to want to get him involved more in the passing game this year. But even without that, I still feel pretty good about Jacobs going into this game because, again, I do think this list is basically like five guys long in terms of running backs who I just know their situation is very clear-cut. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey's there. Jacobs is there. I probably I would put Dalvin Cook in that um, territory. I would put Joe Mixon in that territory. Um, even Miles Sanders, who we're going to talk about here in a second, I'm not 100%. He's a little banged up, too. But... Does Jacobs, even with the lack of pass catching last year, even if we can dream a little bit on it, or even not, does his situation just strike you as the safe one for cash? Because he's definitely showing up in our cash game lineups right now. Yeah, I think unequivocally he's the guy in Las Vegas, right? Like, you know, they're rolling out this team in a new city, and Jacobs was basically the one bright spot in the offense last season. He was excellent on a per-touch basis. Like you said, he wasn't really involved in the passing game, but he wasn't incompetent when the ball was thrown his way. You know, like, you can look up and down this game log, and you'll see, like, 
two targets, two catches, 29 yards. Mm-hmm. Three targets, three catches, 20 yards. Like He's not a bad pass catcher per se. It's just that they didn't really utilize him that way. So I think that's a time where I'm willing to listen to coach speak a little bit because ultimately in football, football is very unlike other sports in that the team just decides how much opportunity you have, right? right. Like, like it would be like in baseball if you could just decide that a guy was going to get two more plate appearances in a game or something. Or in basketball, you knew beforehand, they were like, well, we're going to have this guy shoot 10 more threes. Uh, it's just kind of the flow of the game. In football, it's like, well, we're going to give the ball to Josh and we're going to see what happens. So, yeah, I think you can pencil in some improvement there. I think I, I like the matchup against Carolina with the Raiders being three-point favorites here. So I think that Jacobs, you know, if you're, well, certainly if you're not playing McCaffrey, you almost have to play Jacobs because you're not going to find a whole lot of safety at lower price points. But either way, I think he's a solid play here. 6800 on DraftKings feels like a great price. Um, and Although, like, no, with the PPR, that, that gets a little dicier. But. It does, and again, I can't overstate it enough that there's just, these other situations are so right. dicey okay. behind him. Like, this is where this is where it just gets so weird is because, by the way, Carolina 32nd in uh, rushing DVOA defense last year, so mm-hmm. dead last. Um, but the, um, which is, you know, even with moderate improvements there, you're still... You're still feeling pretty good about the matchup here. They have a really nice total up north of 25, which is one of the better, one of the higher totals in the slate. Yeah. We do talk with running backs about wanting to find safety around the game script going their way, like with you know minus five and more favorites has proven to be uh, something you can correlate pretty well. We really don't have many of those situations on this first slate anyway, um, at least on the main slate. There's on some of these in the other games, so I, I feel pretty good about Jacobs. Um, what about Miles Sanders here? Because we wrote up yeah. Miles Sanders. Late in the season, he was definitely you know trending toward being the guy. He is a little banged up right now. He has an injury tag on him. I'm not sure we're always going to get this, the right amount of injury news going with just the way the teams are being reported on right now. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that our system basically just wants to play 6,300 on DraftKings. Um, basically sees that as not a must, but really darn close. Uh, and then on FanDuel, he's basically the same. He's 6,800 on FanDuel. Um, and our system basically sees that as like close to a must also. Um are you worried at all about the injury here, or do we see enough from him late season to think that like this is just kind of the Eagles' plan? Because it hasn't always been this case with with the way they treat their running backs, and I yeah. right now we sort of are treating it this way because of how he was treated at the end of the season. You know, nineteen carries, twenty carries, nine nine carries against the Giants is a blowout though, and five targets, uh, and then in the playoffs went for fourteen and five. Mm-hmm. It's not an overwhelming number, and they were so banged up, but definitely late in the season, he started to turn it on to be like this 15 to 19 touch a game guy. And I'm just not, I want to believe it's the case, but I'm also a little worried with the injury tag. Plus, the Eagles just haven't really liked to do this before. They like to have a committee, they like to have these other guys sort of around right. to carry the ball. What are your thoughts here on Sanders? Is Sanders, should he be in that group of guys that we feel very comfortable about in terms of the usage? Well, as you're getting below $7,000 price tag on FanDuel, you're rarely going to feel super super comfortable unless the guy is getting more opportunity because someone else was injured and when it comes to trying to make the money work today it's going to just be hard you know let's just be honest about it right now we're already talking about spending you know mid eight thousands at quarterback dropping ten thousand on McCaffrey we're going to get to the and cheap then, zone here in wide receivers here in a second because, yeah well yeah. and there are some I think actually good cheap somewhat reliable wide receivers and, and that does free things up a little bit but even with those guys, you still just can't drop another 8700 on Dalvin Cook or right. something, right? So I think when you take that context into consideration, that I do think Sanders is very playable at that point. Because I think that the floor for him, and you know, this is again, hoping that the hamstring 
isn't bad. The last published report on that was August 31st, which is an eternity when it comes to these mild sort of injuries. Uh, you know, at that time too, he was still seen uh, doing shadow drills in practice as well. So that led people to believe that it wasn't overly serious. I think by week one, he'll probably strap up. And again, it's wild that we have no further information on this. Uh, on Wednesday, heading into one of the biggest weeks in football right. history, basically. So, you know, all that's pretty strange. But, you know, I assume Sanders will be out there. And if he is, I think 15 touches is sort of the floor. And we saw 25 touch ceilings in, in the past last year. So, you know, Boston Scott's still lingering around. There are some other options. But I think Sanders is safe enough to roll in cash games unless we see, you know, other better opportunities open up elsewhere. Because I'm still not persuaded by... You know, the guys just above him have just as many question marks as he has in my mind. Yeah, so this is where I think, like, maybe pivoting up to a guy like Mixon for a few for a few bucks more uh, might end up making sense. Like, especially if Miles Sanders is, by the way, hurt or limited, then we're just, he's got not the starter. One thing about Mixon, I'll say, because he's only 7,300 on um, draft. No, right. no, excuse me. He's 67 on drafting. He's only 400 more than Sanders. He got paid, so he got his contract. And... We saw the Bengals. I know the Burrow's like a new quarterback situation here. Um, you, what do you want to say? It's an upgrade or a lateral move from Andy Dalton. It's like unclear. He's at least new, so it's like probably not going to be better right out of the gate. Uh-huh. But we saw the Bengals just give mixing the ball a million times, even in games where they were getting dumpstered. Yeah, that's the key point I think is right. that they're willing to at least last year. Now who knows? Maybe an off season has helped them come to their senses a little bit. But I don't know. They, they gave him a big they, contract. I think they're just going to do it. They were like, fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Like he like he, they lost by twenty one to New England. He carried the ball twenty five times and had three targets. Like he had twenty eight yeah. touches. He had twenty seven touches in the last game of the year. They won that game. You know, 23, 27, 23. Like he just he touched the ball a ton. So he's he's a guy where I'm like, eh, maybe, that's why I put him in that group of guys I feel really comfortable about. And I could see maybe making some concessions around around price just because there feels like there's a lot of safety. All right, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, we'll finish this thing off with wide receivers and tight ends. All right, so we talked about, in in the interest of being honest here, we've talked about a lot of expensive guys at this point. And I think we feel comfortable doing that because I do not think wide receiver is this place where we're going to spend, um, at least on this week one. You can't have all the good players. You can't have all first-round draft picks in your DFS lineup. Um, it just doesn't work that way. And if I'm prioritizing safety, even in a throw-happy league, Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to the very top end of the wide receivers because I think in a throw-happy league we can get plenty of value mm-hmm. around middle-tier guys who aren't going to be the names that jump off your plate because you didn't draft them in the first four rounds of your fantasy draft. Um, and it can get a little weird. And I'm just really parroting what I know our, like, our chatters are going to say <laughs> because when they right. see some of these names, throw out a couple of names I think that we you know Throw out some names here that I think we can feel okay about not killing us on the floor for cash games. Um that aren't going to be like the Mike Evans, Chris Godwins, Julio Jones of the world. Because I just, now that we've mentioned all the other guys, the expensive guys, their positions, we just run out of money. And I, okay. and I, so the one exception to that is Michael Thomas. Yeah. And I'll just throw it out there really quick. Because even in our system, he's still the second highest points per dollar play at wide receivers. So Michael Thomas is definitely a great play. If some things break as we lead into week one, where you find yourself with the money left over, the floor there is outrageously high. And he's a kind of a, a receiver unto himself, at least historically. Yeah. So I, I would be happy to play him, understanding that we probably won't be able to afford it, particularly if we're going to prioritize McCaffrey. Uh, let's talk about some other names. So I'm going to throw out Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry, 
walking into this season. I think just mispriced once again. I don't know why his price never really got pinned down to a point that feels fair to me. But last year, he led the high-flying Browns offense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was supposed to be a high-flying Browns offense, he led them in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. And that's with Odell Beckham Jr. uh, present as well. Uh, He was excellent. Obviously, it's a tough matchup coming in here against the Ravens. But when the going gets tough, they're going to need somebody who can get out there and catch some balls. So I think he's cheap. I think the targets are essentially a lock, uh, given how things look in Cleveland right now. And on a day where you're going to have to kiss a few frogs, he doesn't seem like a too bad one. Yeah, six six games last year of double-digit targets. Um, has always converted them pretty well, back to back to the Miami days. Um, I think that, he, again, he gets kind of lost in this because he, he's sharing the field with Beckham. Mm-hmm. And or lost in terms of name. But the guy just had like an excellent season. Yeah. And we're at this point we want to just take known targets. That's it. In this price range, we want to if you if you can project for somewhere like eight targets in the sixty three hundred range on FanDuel, then I think you can just live with it. Yeah, and two games against Baltimore last year, Landry was targeted nineteen times, caught fifteen balls for two hundred and forty one yards. Yeah. That's what else do you want? Yeah. You know, didn't I, get any touchdowns in that time, but you know, just that yard floor seems very solid to me. Right. So I feel we feel pretty good about him. Another guy that we feel decent about here, we talked we briefly talked about it uh, with Wentz is Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson has had major injury issues for the for the last couple years now. Came out of the gate with a, a, a game that would have had him his price skyrocket at yeah. the at the end of or at the beginning of last year and then just subsequently got hurt, came back for one part of one game and was hurt again. Uh, so he basically spent the the season on, on the shelf. He is only forty nine hundred on FanDuel. Oh, no, it's gonna be forty nine hundred on DraftKings. He's free, yeah. Yeah, uh, forty nine hundred on DraftKings. Five point seven on FanDuel. These sub six thousand receivers can sometimes feel a little iffy. Jackson's a deep threat. He's not a target guy, so that that's the other part where it gets a little weird for me. But the fact that they're still kind of banged up a wide receiver, I think we're just gonna play him. Does he does he mm. count as a known factor, a known guy to you, or sort of like we're really kind of rolling the dice. Because he's on the same team, but he didn't play last year. This is what, you know, same situation, but he just sat out the entire Frankly, season. I think one game is enough in that. We're, you know, getting nine targets in the one game that he did play, being explosive and excellent on those targets. Now, you can't count on him to do that every time he gets nine targets. There's going to be a handful of four-catch games for 71 yards and no touchdowns in there as well. And he's just so cheap that, like Landry... I think he's going to have huge ownership, too, I'll just say as well. Yeah. Because uh, I think a lot of people are going to want to spend up at the more volatile positions. But, yeah, I think Jackson is is just a flat-out good play. I can see people being concerned about it for cash games. I definitely understand it. Uh, I think there are some ways you can go in the cheap price range as well that allow you to not play him if you're concerned. Um Honestly, if you knew he was going to be highly owned, that would feel kind of risky to me because he can just put up 30 fantasy points and then you lose automatically if he does that. And, you know, Jackson has like 52% ownership or something. So, but yeah, I, th- I think he'll be highly owned. One guy you brought up, though, which I, I found to be an interesting call out was Tyler Lockett because yeah. he's not a guy that we really played in cash much at all last season. But his situation has changed up a little bit for the better. So do you want to break down a case for him? Well, Doug Baldwin retired, and that's really what it is. Uh, Doug Baldwin retired and left um, not an overwhelming amount of targets because he really wasn't the huge target guy at the not end of the season. Yeah. No, um, but just having him gone and having very stable quarterback play around. And Lockett had like eight, nine, seven targets over the course of the season, at the end of the season plus the playoffs last year. 
I know DK Metcalf is there. I don't think Metcalf is going to turn into the possession into a possession receiver at this point. He did have a couple double-digit target games, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe Metcalf sees uh, the increase here. Metcalf's also just more expensive. So the fact that you can get... Now, I know the Seahawks are always just want to run the ball a ton, even though they have this, like, Hall of Fame quarterback <laughs> that they could make a case to just throw all the time, but they just don't seem to want to do that. That does kind of drive it down a little bit for Lockett, but the fact that he's still fairly... He's not over. He's not really all that cheap on DraftKings, I'll say. Like, 6500 yeah. I don't think I'm going to want to do it. But sub-7,000, like I said, I kind of put, put this cutoff point for FanDuel at, like, the 7,000 number, and Lockett just strikes me as a guy who could easily see eight to nine targets here. And yeah. that, to me, again, just ends up being good enough. And... So is he going to be? Is he going to win you a GVP? Probably not. But I just don't. He doesn't really have that kind of upside game. Like that's probably the more the Metcalf downfield touchdowns pile up some yards kind of thing. I do think this the targets around around Lockett are safe for the Metcalfs though. And at that at this point, that's kind of like I just I'm I'm going for vanilla rather than yeah. you know <laughs> rather than the whole Sunday in cash. And I think that like Lockett kind of fits the bill when it comes to that. Yeah, I like that take. Uh, you wrote in the article, 24th in wide receiver targets last year. That, to me, you know, there's only 32 teams, right? So, right. like, if you're uh, 24th, you could have been the highest targeted guy on a team, uh, you know, like, decent teams, too. So, I think Lockett's a solid play. And, you know, when, when I look at that list, and again, you know, if we're comparing these players at the wide receiver tier, like Lockett, Landry, and Jackson in that $6,800 to $5,700, I did that opposite, $5,700 to $6,800 tier at running back, you're getting some really speculative plays at a similar price point. So well, let's continue to keep in mind that it's not you're not just taking these plays in a vacuum, you're taking them in the context of what they afford you elsewhere. And you know, guys in a similar price range at running back would be like Le'Veon Bell as a dog against Buffalo, or Devin Singletary with Zach Moss looming. You know, like there's you know Raheem Mostert with a who knows situation in San Francisco. So I think if you're talking about safety in the same price range across other positions, these guys seem really good to me. And I will, I will make one more thing, and we're gonna go on the tight ends, and then finish this off, and we'll talk more specifically in this game by game breakdown tomorrow. But I do still put the Michael Thomas's. And by the way, Thomas had 30 more targets than the next closest guy yeah, last he's year. Not so, right. Like, so he's just he's in this group and it's still very close. There is a group of wide receivers here that I still would feel okay about if our system just called them out and took a took a savings elsewhere. That would be Thomas, that would be Julio Jones, that would be Devontae Adams, frankly. Like okay. these situations that are unchanged. I would not put the Tampa Bay guys in this group yet because I it can be a week late on them. I would not put DeAndre Hopkins in this group, moving from Watson to Kyler Murray. So like, but that that top group of guys, that Thomas Jones and Adams group, I still feel okay about them. Like if the if the numbers just pointed to them just going into lineups, I think you can say oh, yeah. that's just totally fine. Let's finish this off with tight ends. Hayden Hurst um, is taking over in Atlanta. I think he's gonna be pretty chalk. I, like I think he's gonna probably just be the highest on tight ends uh, between what Hooper did there last year out of the tight end position and moving on. He's really cheap, fifty two hundred on. Who's Hayden Hurst? Uh, oh, he's the tight end for the. He's tight well, yeah, he's the tight end for the Falcons. But what does he have a track record? What's well, he was he played for the he played for the um, Ravens last year, and it's a little weird to take Ravens numbers because they threw sort of overwhelmingly to the tight end position because right. they just employed so many of them. So I don't want to like one to one take Hurst just like numbers from last year and translate them onto what he's going to do this year with um with the Falcons. Yeah, that being situation. said. That being said, walking into a situation that has already felt where everything else is the same in terms of their passing game, 
except you just take over for a guy that had a good amount of target share last year, especially mm-hmm. near the end in Austin Hooper. Uh, it's not going to be one-to-one, but if you think he's just like a six-target-a-game guy at a tight end, then he's just like a play at these prices. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's exactly the case, though, is that the Falcons, you know, with essentially the same personnel everywhere else, they just ran a certain number of plays to tight ends last season, right? right. And with Hooper out of the picture, they could totally change up their offense and, you know, take those plays out of the playbook or whatever, but chances are good they're just not going to do that. You know, they brought Hurst in. Uh, Hurst last season was very effective on the balls thrown his way. And, yeah, Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback, but Matt Ryan is, you know, plenty accurate and can get the ball into the hands of a tight end, right? So, yeah, I think Hurst will be the chalk play. Um, And, you know, like we've talked about at wide receiver, you're not going to find a $5,300 player the way Hurst is on FanDuel that's anything resembling safe at any other position. So I think that's the overwhelming case for him. If you do happen to have a few dollars left over, I think you can also consider Zach Ertz, um, you know, of sort of the big three tight ends on this slate, uh, which I would say are Kittle, Andrews, and Ertz. And, you know, that's how they line up in terms of overall projected points in our system. Ertz is so much cheaper than the other two. I mean, Kittle's eight thousand. He'll have zero percent ownership in cash games. Uh, I don't week. know about that, but I think you I think, think at eight thousand people are going to find the savings at other yeah, positions. Probably, I think There's having some, Hurst around at this price and it's just no like chance. it's not a secret anymore either that he's just yeah. going to be a popular place. Well, then you have Andrews who is seventy four hundred, who's still pretty darn expensive, but you know provides a decent amount of safety. But then Ertz is down at sixty seven hundred, yeah. and Ertz last season he averaged one and a half fewer Fanduel points than Kittle, and a quarter of a fantasy point less than Mark Andrews. Nobody's going to play those other guys over Ertz, I wouldn't think. And I think Ertz is a safe option, too. So yeah, I agree. I think you could talk yourself into it, especially you know, if some value does open up elsewhere. If you do get a little gun-shy about a guy in a new situation, the Wentz and Ertz thing is proven. It's time-tested. You're going to get the targets. You're going to get the production. So I certainly don't mind doing that. And I don't even mind you know, taking a lump somewhere else. If it means going down from you know, a $7,500 receiver to Jarvis Landry or something like that. I, I think that would be a reasonable concession to make, too. And certainly, I'll say as well, this is a week where I do want to, we'll talk about it on the game-by-game specifically, but it's not a week where I want to spend up a defense. I think yeah. money is too tight. Defensive production is too unknown. Defense has changed too much from year to year, and the big explosive defensive plays are almost entirely unpredictable. So um, today is not a day that I will be paying up at defense. Uh, a couple things. Austin Hooper in that Atlanta offense averaged seven and a half targets a game last year. So we didn't give Hayden Hurst seven and a half targets. I think we have him at right. like five. I think it's a very conservative number. It just And he's still in all and he still And he still looks very good. Ertz uh, had double-digit targets in five of the, f- the final seven weeks, and there was an injury in there, by the way, for him too, uh, yeah. last season. So um, I agree with you on Ertz. He's probably mispriced compared to the rest of that top-tier group. Uh, so... I wouldn't mind that pivot, and if and I, by the way, if Hurst wasn't here, I think we would just be playing Hurst. Uh, if, if 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 Hurst had been properly priced out of the gate for what his likely opportunity is going to be, I think we would probably be playing Hurst in 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 favor of him. But uh, we don't have to do that because the, they kept it cheap with Hurst, and I think everyone's I think that's going to be a very very popular play. We will be back again tomorrow with a game by game breakdown where we'll go through each game on the main slate, talk about some of the betting angles, talk about some of the other plays that we uh, that we just kind of. Didn't talk about today. Talk about some of these new situations that you can kind of take a, you know, maybe take some flyers on, maybe ones to avoid. DFSR, that's DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. DFSR, 
DVSR.com uh, for short. DVSR.com slash membership will get you started. Uh, so go check it out. It's, you get a free trial for seven what? days. I don't know if you were going to point at me for that. Yeah, for seven days. Seven days. Free, free trial for seven days. He, James had checked out. James had checked out. He was uh, already stopped listening. Free trial for seven days, uh, then just twenty nine ninety five a month after that. You're not going to find a better deal at basketball. We've been absolutely crushing our chatters uh, up there this morning, just you know, giving out the thanks because basketball has been on a, just a straight money train basically since the restart. Uh, looking forward to football as well. So DFSR.com slash membership. Get you started. We'll be back in tomorrow with the game-by-game podcast. Buddy. Talk to you in two seconds when we hit stop, but also talk to you tomorrow when we hit all <laughs> when we go through all the games. Peace.